232 of the All the Books Show, recorded at the David A. Howe Public Library. We talk book news, author news, and literary news. I'm Eric Mickles. I'm Nick Gunning. Nick, 232 is the first time we've had an episode that's also a palindrome. Is <laughs> I don't think that's true. No, it's not true. Okay. Just start But for a you thought, because of February 2nd. Yeah. February 2nd, 2020 was a palindrome. Yeah, it was fun. We haven't seen the likes of that in, what, almost a thousand years, right? Something like that. Yeah. You're oh. not an expert on palindromes? No. Okay. I'm definitely not. Okay. Bob. Yeah, Bob's is a, a palindrome. Is a palindrome. Yeah. Okay. You know what's a, you know what's sad? Tell me. Palindrome is not itself a palindrome. That is. Yeah, and phonetic also not spelled the way it sounds. So Ugh. when words it's, English, it's a real missed opportunity. Is all we're yeah. saying. Ah, hold on. Uh, yes. I'm caught. Okay. Uh, okay all right sorry uh so we were originally planning on talking about the green arrow since the cw series arrow has wrapped uh and we're still planning to do that but over the weekend uh the queen of suspense mary higgins clark passed away and we thought uh now would be a good time for us to talk about mary higgins clark a little bit about her work and what she's contributed uh, to the genre over her uh, many years of writing so we're going to be talking about mary higgins clark today and you can tune in next week for that uh green arrow spotlight but that's that's what we're getting into right now Wow. What are you up to? Anything exciting over the weekend? See any, see any new movies I should know about? I guess I watched the first episode of Picard. Oh, okay. So that's yeah. ish. That's pretty that new. question. Yeah. yeah. Did you like it? Uh, yeah. How do you find... I don't... It doesn't seem to me like it's super approachable if you're not a Star Trek fan. I, what do you think? Yeah. I, I said this to you after. Yeah. That, like on the CBS app. Yeah. They have like all these like episode suggestions. Right. Or, like quick... But there's no like just five minute like summary of Picard's I know. life. And they're doing a thing with Will Wheaton. I think it's called The Ready Room. Yeah. Where he's doing sort of a little, like an interview show. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not have an episode of that that's like, here's the bullet points yeah. of Picard's life. Normally, I hate all those like YouTube videos that are like, this thing explained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're doing the Lord's work right now for that. It's true. I mean, there's a lot of deep cuts in that episode. I had to explain, I had to, like we were watching it to Kendra, I just had to keep going like, remember in Nemesis? Remember in Nemesis? Right, yeah. Remember in uh, Star Trek? In the episode Measure of a Man yeah. from the early seasons. Remember that? Yeah. And, uh, uh, yes. So, but like she was like, no. I'm like, because Data, he died in, in Nemesis. I guess I, maybe maybe that's not super relevant. If, if you like, if you don't know mm-hmm. those things intimately, maybe you could still enjoy Picard. Right. It's hard to say. Yeah. You know? No, I mean, she enjoyed Picard. Yeah. It's just it's just one of those things where she's they're also like, in love with Patrick Stewart. Like, we don't true. have to get personal, but she, uh, it's just one of those things where it's like they're like you said, it's deep cuts. Yeah, that you definitely. Which I I mean, as a longtime fan, yeah. I appreciate them, but yeah. I thought you, know. you would appreciate just how much a Star Trek Nemesis is being <laughs> true. Uh, used. That's true. No, there's no sweeping under the rug no. there. I'm I'm surprised Tom Hardy didn't show up. Frankly. <laughs> Uh, for so more on Picard and Star yeah. Trek The Next Generation, just go a few episodes back to episode 230, Picard, and Star Trek The Next Generation. We I also have a handy-dandy Star Trek playlist oh, if you're yeah. just here so for Star much. Trek. All the time. Like me. That's why I'm here. Uh, so we still need to watch the second episode. Okay. Uh, we spent most of the week <laughs> weekend finishing season three of The Flash. I know. You're so that's, behind. That's I how know. behind we are. My wife so. and I are currently in season five of The Flash. Mm. So we, we still need to finish season five of Arrow. Yeah. And then we'll be in line with those two shows. Right. And... It, it really is just so I can go back to watching Legends of Tomorrow. That's true. And yeah. not have to worry about the yeah. uh, That's the, the problem. That's yeah. the problem with their interconnectivity. Yeah. That's why if we I got out of it. I didn't care about Arrow or yeah. Flash, but because it's like, well, we want to watch them eventually. Yeah. It just stops. Makes it hard. Puts everything. I yeah. I mean, I guess I could just watch Black Lightning, but I still don't trust them that those things will never not cross over. Yeah. Well, because that's what they said about Supergirl. Right. And. I mean, Batwoman came out of a spin-off. Right. It's just, you know, yeah. it's all... Of, it's true. You can't trust them. I am... Not that this is a CW Arrowverse spotlight, uh-huh. but 
I'm caught up in Legends, uh-huh. Batwoman, and uh-huh. I I caught up in time to finish Arrow. Nice. Um, but I'm 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 maybe like a season behind on both Supergirl and Flash. Mm. So I'm Black Lightning. There. I've only seen the first handful of episodes on uh. Black Lightning, and then because it wasn't connecting, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't have time to watch that. I got to watch <laughs> these ones that connect. Yeah. But we're going back and watching Constantine, mm. and we're gonna pick wow. up Black Lightning as well. So. Uh. You know, I watched Constantine day one. I do know that. I was there. And listen, that's really going to pay off for you because yeah. a lot of the stuff that happens in the Constantine pilot, I mean, they use that footage in Legends of Tomorrow. Mm. Like, it's really, it becomes important. So. I was probably one of five people watching I think uh, that's true. Constantine yeah. on air. You look at the Nielsen happening. ratings, it's yeah. like Eric Mickles and four other yep. people. Yeah, so like the very last episode, I was like, boy, I can't wait for season two. Yeah. And it was me you and like another person was like, did you watch yeah. it? <laughs> well, all that to say, yeah. if you'd like to catch up on any of these series, we have them all in our collection here at the David A. Hale Public Library. So yeah. stop in and check out Black Lightning, Constantine, Arrow, mm. Supergirl, Flash. The Atom. Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Uh, anyway. Uh, we're man And we are. That's not part of it. Hawkeye. Nope. Go to the wrong. Bloodshot. Nope. We covered them all. Spawn? No. <laughs> that Vixen show. Vixen and the, Ray. the show. Yeah. But again, we're not talking about the CW's Arrowverse, but we are going to be talking about Green Arrow next week. All right, let's get into the old bookmark. All right. Bookmark. That wasn't the bookmark? <laughs> well, <laughs> in a way it was. All right, what have you been reading, big guy? Uh... I know you hate when I mention comicsology. I don't. Because it's connected to Amazon. Well, I don't like a monopoly. I yeah. like the game monopoly, but I don't like how damaging a monopoly, like maybe the example you gave, uh, is, is damaging to a society. Amazon. Okay. If you don't use its name, you're giving the name power. Is it, Oh, like a Voldemort situation. Yeah, that's I what understand. I think. Uh, though I was just explained that you can track people if you know their name really? in Harry Potter. But then That's my eyes true. glazed over and yeah. I disappeared. <laughs> yeah. For more on Harry Potter, yeah. go back to our Harry Potter spotlight. So here's what happens. I read a whole bunch of X-Men on it's my... It's episode 98, Harry Potter and the Podcaster Spotlight. Yeah. I read a whole bunch of like X-Men comics. Yes. I don't get burnt out of X-Men, but yes. I do need a break every now and then. Well, if you need a break, you can go back to episode 198 and listen to our X-Men <laughs> podcast featuring uh, Hillary from Previously on X-Men. Previously on X-Men. That's right. Uh, so anyways, I got on Comixology to see if any of the, uh, comics I had on my wish list were on sale. Okay. And instead I found out they were having a sale on Warren Ellis's The Authority. Oh. And... That's been your jam lately. But then you save money on purchases if you're, um, if you're a Comixology oh, Unlimited no. subscriber. So I was like, all right, I'll just re-up my subscription for yeah. the month, yeah. which I do every now and then. And then I just filled up my com- comicsology with all the free stuff that comes with Unlimited. Not free, but all the stuff that comes with Unlimited while also getting the stuff I wanted to read by purchasing yeah, it. Yeah, that's how they get you. So I read the f- two volumes of Warren Ellis' Stormwatched, which I really, really liked. Mm-hmm. I read his volume of Authority, which Ooh. was still pretty good. And it definitely feels like, yes, this is where comics went after this <laughs> comic came out. Widescreen storytelling, violence, but violence where it's almost uh, second nature. You don't even notice it anymore. Right. Uh, kind of big ideas. Mark Miller takes over volume two of The Authority, and usually I'm pretty forgiving of Mark Miller. I feel like more so than a lot of other people I see online. But boy, I know this is like 2001 Mark Miller, yeah. but it's just so dumb. Yeah. It's just like, I guess maybe as I'm getting older, I 
one, the shock value doesn't matter anymore. And like his sense of humor just doesn't do anything for me at all. And it's just kind of like, boy, yeah, you sure made that villain use the N word. Congratulations. Wow. He's a super villain. That's how they would talk. But it's like, that's not how, that's not what I want to read. It's just all this. It's just, he takes, do you remember how the Hulks are like inbred and in old man Logan? Yes. That type of humor has been in Mark Millar's repertoire since the beginning. And it's right in here during uh, the authority volume two. Anyway, I much preferred Stormwatch because it was more like 90s colorful comics action and whatnot, but anyway. Okay. Uh, I read New Kid. This isn't on Comicsology. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it won the Newberry. The Newberry. First graphic yeah. novel to win the Newberry. You want to review it? I didn't particularly like it. You no. hated I, it. Well, yes. I didn't really like it. I, yeah. I, it didn't... Yes. Well, what, I mean, you're the children's librarian. I mean, you're, you're the youth librarian, so how do you feel about it? Uh, I... Liked it a lot. I thought it was funny. Uh, I thought it put a lot of uh, thoughts into my... I, it put a lot of things in pers- perspective for me. There's just a scene where these like two kids are talking about how uh, they don't understand why they don't fit in sometimes and why people acted the way... And one of the kids was like, I know, we don't act aggressive. And I was like, what kind of way of thinking is that yeah. for like a fifth grader or mm-hmm. whatever grade these kids are at? It's just, it's just terrible. Yeah. Um, and it just kind of shows how like... <laughs> I don't know... Uh, all the ways that racism like plays in even when you don't realize it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I liked it. Good. So. But I mean, I felt like the, the topic and, and the issues that it's addressing are really important. And to see those, you know, in, in places, uh, you know, like, like a graphic novel for this age, I think is, a, you know, the utmost importance. I just didn't feel like this book handled it particularly well. And I know you didn't have a problem with all the, like the dated chapter references, but I just thought like no kid is going to get these. And even within the story, it was like Barney and the Muppets. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if like I don't know. Twelve-year-olds are going to get a Mad Men reference. I, I think don't think so. You're weirdly hung up on like the chapter breaks. Being uh, well, like I mean, it was a Chinatown there reference. Was a lot of them, and they were all chapters things that like nobody would ever recognize. I don't know. It didn't. It didn't gel for me. I've liked other ones in that uh, age range before, but this one I didn't particularly like. But I'm glad you did. Uh, what else did I then read? All right, back to comicsology. Yes, uh, I read Batman and the Flash, the Button. Oh, what a stupid title! I'm almost there. I mean, it's just. Uh, I guess I can't spoil it for you then. Yeah. Anyway, I I thought I was doing this it in is the right like order. Sort of connecting with Watchmen. That's that. I mean, yes. that's the that's the yes. That's it's the button from Watchmen, right? Um, the comedian's button. The Flash and Batman and uh, kind of pulls into Flashpoint. Okay. I also read Convergence. Have you read this one? No. By Jeff King. It's just... DC Comics you're talking when about. DC, it, yeah, yeah. they get all these uh, their superheroes from their old history. So this is where like the Superman who... Oh, boy. This is like the Superman that you know from like the 80s and 90s and everything. Yeah, I know. The him. one who was wiped out with yeah, the I New know, 52. I know, I know. This is where he comes back. Yeah. And it's just, they're showing all these different characters and all their history. They, they pull characters from uh, Infinite Cri- or Crisis of Infinite Worlds and everything. And it's just one of those things where, like, it just shows you how kind of bland and uninteresting the new 52 versions of these characters are and how, like, much more you know, rounded I- and how much that history, like, gave to those characters. I agree with you, but I think they they really found their groove with New 52 Superman. Yeah. I, I don't think that that gets enough credit as it should for sort of reinvigorating and right. telling a Superman story without making him, you know, Henry Cavill or a jerk, right. you know. It, but it's just one of these things, like, I, when I first got into DC, reading DC Comics, like, actually reading DC Comics that weren't Batman, it was during the Infinite Crisis stage, and one of the things I liked so much was just how many characters there were and how deep the history seemed yeah. and how, like, 
the legacy element of all these characters. Yeah. And New 52 just kind of wiped that away. Yes, it and did. And so Convergence doesn't really have any point. It's basically it's basically uh, DC's uh, Secret Wars, where they're mm-hmm. all just getting together to fight. Never really appealed to me, so I've never picked it up. I read Jurassic Park Redemption. Oh, boy. So this is a Jurassic Park graphic novel Look, by IDW. This I feel is... a little like it's my fault, because I've been saying, why don't you read these for so long? Um, so... This book, it came out in like 2006. No, it came out in 2010, this graphic novel. And it says the, f- the element, it's been 13 years since the first movie. So they're saying this book that came out in 2010 is taking place in 2006. Mm. Okay? Okay, I guess, yeah. Uh, I mean, Tim and Lex are like in their 20s, so I don't really right. know how well that maps out. Sure. Tim's in charge of InGen, kind of. Okay. Uh, also, they say Uncle Ludlow... Uh, Peter Ludlow okay. of uh, Lost World, the one who sure. is trying to bring the dinosaurs back to San Diego. Yes. You know, the Poindexter one. Yes. He, Lex says, died almost 12 years ago. So the timeline. Lost lines. World takes place four years after Jurassic Park. Anyway, there's a character in this book called Backer, who's uh, basically a uh, uh, an homage, I guess is the right word, to mm. Robert Backer, okay. who is a paleontologist, except they already did that in The Lost World with the guy who gets eaten by the T-Rex in the waterfall, right. who looked just like him. So you got those. Uh, and then the art. It was a real I shared mess. some art panels of here. I hate... You did. It was shocking. It really was. I hate insulting the art of yeah. a comic book because right. I cannot draw. Yeah. But I don't know how IDW allowed these pages i don't know how why idw got the jurassic park license in the first place and mm-hmm. just did nothing with it yeah, and did it's, absolute it's crap bizarre. this one like i said the other one that dangerous games one was like goofy it doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense it's fine this one was just like offensively bad i agree it, and it was so many issues it felt like all the i mean you saw that one image of timmy who's just like this sketched box yeah that's how he looked every panel yeah, every time i turned the page the act of turning a page was painful because i knew i was just gonna see something that looked just like that yeah it, you just don't you there at this point there were three movies with dinosaurs in them just look we'll at those movies and say i'll draw one of those yeah ludlow comes back he's wow. apparently he was alive he didn't die in the lost world i don't know okay uh, Alan Grant showed up, and it took me forty pages or something to realize it was Alan Grant oh, because really? he didn't look anything like Alan oh, Grant. Wow! Oh. Sam Neill's people were probably like, "No." Oh. You know what? For more on Jurassic Park, listen to any of our Michael Crichton episodes or episode one forty-eight, Jurassic Paul, or any of our episodes. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Um, anyway, so also then I read a first volume of. Uh, uh, who put this out? I can't remember who put this out. Anyway, there was a new Turok Dinosaur Hunter comic. Oh, series, yeah. So I read yeah, it. Yeah. Um, it was kind of weird. It was Turok. They're like in Manhattan during like the 1200s and like they're invaded by, yeah. uh, by I, I, I don't know, uh, like England shows up, I okay. think. It, and so like they're, it's like the Native Americans meeting uh, the English for the first time uh, situation, except then the English are the ones that are bringing the dinosaurs over. I don't know anything about Torok Dinosaur Hunter, except it was a video game I never played. Anyway, I read, so far, two volumes of Bloodshot, which is a Valiant comic. You know, Valiant. Oh, the Vin, Vin Diesel movie. The Vin out, Diesel right? movie's coming yeah. out in March. So, which, so we have one of these in our collection yeah, as well. Five of these volumes are included uh, on the Mar- Comicsology thing, so I was like, I'll start reading this. So I read the first two. It's fun. Uh, all the like 90s ones with that and like Shadow Man, they're on there, but they're not collected so i'd have to borrow them issue by oh, issue by issue that's but they're also 
there. Mm. So I read Green Arrow, The Longbow Hunters, because yeah. as far as I knew, Nick, yeah, this was a Green Arrow spotlight I know. episode. I know. Uh, I liked it. It was. Uh, I liked the art and everything, and there were some callbacks that I... Well, not callbacks. There were things that happened here that happened in later Green Arrow mm. comics that I had read. And now read you appreciate yeah. them a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then today I was like, I gotta get back to some X Men stuff. Though it's yeah. hard because technically I only have a month of comicsology oh. to like read all oh, the free, all the stuff. You should take included. some time off and just sit on <laughs> your couch, go through all that. Uh, so I read Jean Grey Volume Two, Final Fight, wow. which meant I also had to read Phoenix Resurrection, See, The you Return of Jean yell Grey. At me when I have a long bookmark. Yeah, sorry, that's all right. Uh, I don't know. Jean Jean Grey, the original Jean Grey, is back now. Here's the thing: Jean Grey died. Back in the 80s. like <laughs> Episode 198, our X-Men spotlight. For she she dies interested. in the 80s and Chris Claremont's Dark, Dark Phoenix, John Byrne and Chris Claremont's Dark Phoenix arc. Okay. And then she was brought back in a Fantastic Four thing and was told it was a Phoenix Force and not Jean herself. Anyway, that was like a six-year period between her death. And Marvel okay. did not stop reprinting like that story and all these things. So in some ways, Jean was not gone that long. Jean Grey later died in Grant Morrison's run in, like, I guess it was 2003. And they brought her back in 2017. It's just one of these things that's like, there are people who started reading comics and they've never known a living Jean Grey. Mm. And it just kind of comes across as like, I don't know who this is for. Right. I don't know how many, like, real Jean Grey fans there are that are clamoring for her back. Maybe not there's me. tons. I know I'm not, like, one who's personally in- invested in that. I, I like the uh, Teenage Jean Grey comic series that was now canceled because they brought her back. But it's just one of those things where it's like, I started reading comics in 2000. So, like, it's just one of those, like, I'm now more familiar with the X-Men when Jean Grey is not alive. Right, yeah. Um, so, I don't know. It's just kind of pointless and she's back and all the x-men are like whoa she's back and i'm like i don't care i'm tired of phoenix stories yeah i mean i'm this these aren't complaints that are new or anything but it That's just true it wasn't good and there was greg i think it was greg pack no that doesn't sound right who was it <laughs> hold on greg pack worked a lot with our friend fred van lenti that's true we interviewed a while yeah. back here on the why podcast been, why am i thinking of greg pack i don't know i think greg pack wrote bloodshot okay or maybe that he wrote be. uh Torok dinosaur hunter here it is uh oh it was greg pack Wow. Uh, Greg Pak wrote X-Men Phoenix Endsong, which was just kind of this like, the spirit of Jean Grey was there and haunting them and everything. And I loved that comic when I first read it. It, it, it got me teary-eyed. Ooh. And like, but she stayed dead and everything. It was just, it was a good way of like dealing with the Phoenix and honoring all that stuff. Whereas this Phoenix Resurrection thing was just, I don't know. It's just a waste of time. It's just, it's so annoying. I don't know if you agree with this. But in comics, when they want to do a status quo, because of continuity, they have to then tell a story to get to the status quo. Mm. And I'm so sick of those stories. Yeah. It's like, I wish they could just flip the switch and then it's just like, Gene's alive again. Right. And there's no like five-issue slog to get to that thing. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I'm reading I Am Still Alive as well. I barely am after that bookmark. Oh, my goodness. What's well, I'm Still Alive? No oh, it's a, it's a new book one that we did a while back. It's not so new anymore. Well, no, I know. Kate Alice Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that sounds productive. It sounds like you had a productive week. I guess. Does that mean? Yeah. That? Yeah. Okay. I was planning to read uh, Tahanu by Ursula K. Le Guin. Oh, right. But yeah. then I was like, I'll read some Wildstorm. And yeah. that just took over all my free reading It happens. Time. It happens. Well, I mean, I can relate because I've read a lot of Green Arrow. Ugh. I was. <laughs> I can was, you please hurry up? <laughs> I was boning, up, I was boning up on Green Arrow for our spotlight, you uh-huh. know. And I, I did not intend to just keep reading it, but. 
after Longbow Hunters, which I, I had read Longbow Hunters many years ago, but I reread it now for this and really enjoyed it much more this time. I started reading the Mike Grell's run and I'm just loving it. And I hit this part where I, I get to episode t- or issue 25 uh-huh. and it jumps to issue 80 on the DC app. So now I got to track down like trade paperbacks. They don't have the full run? No. But that's like it. I know. It's crazy. Weird. And then it comes back with like issue 80 through about 100. And then it has a few crossovers. Like It's weird. But it was canceled after 80 issues. No, not technically. Like Mike Grell's run stops and then it continued. The numbering continues with a different oh. creative team. So weird. Anyway, I know it is weird, but I've been really liking that. So I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. I particularly liked one called Green Arrow, The Wonder Year, which is uh, from 92. And it's kind of an origin story of Green Arrow. It yeah. tells a very early year in his career. So. Right. Like his, uh, his early life. Fred Savage is there. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He sees what a bra strap for the first time. I also wrote a book called Family Tree by Susan Wiggs. So we mentioned a few times before that Susan Wiggs is our big author visit for the year. She's going to be coming uh, at the end of April for National Library Week. This was a book, uh, Family Tree is what it's called. It's about this woman who uh, is a big successful TV producer. And then she walks through a construction zone and something falls on her head and she's in a coma. And so then the action splits between her sort of emerging from this coma, reconnecting with her family and her high school sweetheart. And it splits its time between like post-coma and uh, the early days when she and this guy Fletcher were like first a couple and their paths diverging and all that. I was always really into the flashback sequences and not so much into the post-coma stuff. Mm -hmm. So like I think I probably would have preferred just a linear story. But, you know, overall, I enjoyed it. I The Goodbye Quilt is a Susan Wiggs book that I read last year, and I really liked that one a lot. I thought that mm-hmm. was really solid. Uh, this one was, you know, this was, an, this was an average. This was a decent read. I already mentioned all the Green Arrow, so I'm not going to... I just joined Decent again, Reads. It's, a, oh, it's an online community really? where you just talk about books that You're are like, only eh, three stars. It's fine, yeah. Uh, speaking of books that are only just fine, uh, my oh. book club read Star Trek Into Darkness by our friend Alan Dean Foster, and it was fine. But I've got to say, the standout thing for this was the audiobook, which was read by Alice Eve, who plays Carol Marcus in the film. Mm-hmm. It is the worst audiobook I've ever heard in my life. Take that, Alice Eve. It's, she's a lovely actress, and she did a nice job in that movie. And anytime she's just narrating, it's fine. But trying to hide her accent and do these like long scenes of dialogue was excruciating. So I had to stop. I had to just get a print copy of the book because I couldn't handle it anymore. She was in Men in Black 3? Really? I don't, oh, I don't remember that. Uh, I'm currently reading the Enterprise War, and I'm just not liking it. I'm, it's uh, it's supposed to be set sort of pre-discovery, where you see Pike and Spock uh, on the Enterprise, and it's not doing it for me. So, I was gonna quit, but all the Goodreads reviews are like, oh, the second half is so much better, and like a lot of four and five stars. So, I feel like I have to force myself to to push through. Mm. So, I'm reading that, and I'm still kind of going through some some different eras of Green Arrow because now I'm on a Green Arrow kick. Mm. So. That's it for me. My favorite Green Arrow is Hal Jordan. No. <laughs> no. But he does. Hal makes some cool cameos in Mike Grell's run. Yeah. It's always fun when he pops up. Hmm. All right. Shall we move it on to some book news? Sure. Okay. Oh, do you have any? Oh, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> February is Black History Month, as you know, so we've got some programming coming up, including a visit from uh, Dr. Phil Richards from Colgate University, who's going to be talking about our Revisiting the Foundation Era slate of programming. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, it's the end of February. We'll get dates out uh, for that so you can be aware of that. Uh, 
Uh, but Barnes & Noble has a list on their new and notable, uh, some suggestions to celebrate black history and voices. So I'm just going to share a couple of these new items. Uh, most of these are in the system here. Making Our Way Home, The Great Migration and the Black American Dream by Blair Imani. Uh, this is a richly illustrated work exploring the lasting impact of the 20th century's Great Migration, the decades-long movement of six million African Americans who left the South to spread throughout the U.S., forever changing a nation's politics, economy, arts, and culture. Another one they're suggesting is Frederick Douglass, Prophet of Freedom by David W. Blight, an illuminating, definitive new biography of a man who escaped slavery and changed the world as an abolitionist, reformer, and writer. Uh, Zora Neale Hurston's book, Barracoon, The Story of the Last Black Cargo, published nearly a century after it was written. This is a powerful, true story of the last survivor of the Atlantic slave trade. And finally, Breath, A Letter to My Sons by Imani Perry. An African-American scholar and historian writes to her sons of the joys, sorrows, struggles, and triumphs of growing up black in modern America. So take a peek at any of those books and stop in here to the library and check out our, uh, we got a couple of displays up with a lot of interesting uh, books and movies and audiobooks and that sort of thing. So stop in. What's, uh, what's new on the bestseller list? I mean, and I, I mean that. I want to know. Are there new things? Just tell me if I'm going to get my heart broken again. Yeah, there's some new things. Oh, cool. All right. On the hardcover fiction list for the New York Times bestsellers, you have Agency by William Gibson. I didn't know he could crack the bestsellers list anymore. Me neither. Like like Neuromancer, William yeah. Gibson? Wow. wow. Good for him. Also of Johnny Mnemonic fame. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? If you're interested in cyberpunk, all you have to do is go back a couple episodes to episode 196, Cyberpunk. SoundCloud.com slash all the books or wherever you get your podcasts. Ainsley Lobeer. Low beer spelt like beer. Low beer. Yeah. Can see alternate outcomes for Verity Jane and her digital assistant who live in a previous century. 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 Mm. Uh, <laughs> that's where you keep uh, centenians in a, like an aviary. aviary. Yeah. You, you get a bunch of people over 100. Right. You just put them in there. I mm -hmm. guess that's just an old folks home. I guess so, yeah. We could call it a sanctuary. Yeah. That'd be nice. <laughs> Rather than an nice. old folks home. It's cute. Let's go visit the sanctuary. It's cute. Very yeah. strict. You, you have to be 100 plus to get in. Yeah. 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 Right. But they always tell you to wear bright colors when you go to visit uh -huh. in there because you uh -huh. might get one to land on you. Wait. Like you think, you're thinking of an aviary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> like Or butterflies. Yeah. What do you call a butterfly aviary? I don't know. You want to go to Dollywood and find out? Is that where one is? A lot is? of butterflies there, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I bet I, I was in a butterfly like sanctuary. Oh, yeah. And one landed on me. I freaked out. Oh, really? It was just so close to me. It just landed right on my shoulder. It's a butterfly, and when, though. Yeah, but when they're that close, and it looks huge, and it's just his face. I'm just like, Wah! It looks huge? Yeah. How small were you? I was probably eight. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number nine, the Dutch house. <laughs> and Patchett. Mm -hmm. A sibling relationship is impacted when the family goes from poverty to wealth and back again over the course of many decades. Uh, number eight, new this week, <laughs> A Long Petal of the Sea by Isabel Alande. Long Petal of the Sea, okay. A young pregnant widow and an army doctor take a ship to Chile to escape the aftermath of the Spanish Civil War. That sounds sad and intense. Exciting. Yeah, it Romantic. Mm -hmm. Dreamy. Did you ever read that Zorro book that she wrote? No. Okay. I've never read a Zorro book. Oh, maybe you should. Pick I've up. seen The Mask of Zorro a few times. What about The Mark of Zorro? Is that the second one? Yeah. No. I don't think I've seen that either, actually. Yeah. Is it supposed to be bad? I, not a lot of people went to go see it. My wife used to love that Zorro show that was on the Family Channel back mm -hmm. in the day. They were like syndicated sure. Zorro. Yeah. Are you just saying that? No, I think I watched I, a couple of syndicated okay. Zorros. All right. 
Number seven. There was supposed to be like this poke, <laughs> pokey, this uh, post-apocalyptic Zorro, Zorro. movie huh. that I was weirdly into and never happened. But it didn't happen. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. Uh, number seven, The Guardians by John Grisham. Colin Post, a lawyer and Episcopal minister, joins the Guardians of the Galaxy to find a rogue Drax the Destroyer. Wait a minute. This Who's artificial no. conditioning has gone no. haywire. Throughout, they meet a new character named Nova, whose power might have more behind it than they expect. Hmm. Now, uh, there's a lot about the Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, there, so. uh, the Colin Post antagonizes some ruthless killers who take on a wrongful conviction case. Which one would you rather read? Uh, probably the Guardians of the Galaxy one. Thank you, man. Yeah, I just there you go, Marvel. Uh, number six, Silent Patient by Alex McKillides. Boy, you know what? I'm seeing all this stuff about this post-apocalyptic Zorro. It's been going on for quite a while. Yes, I know. I don't think it's officially dead, though. Yeah. Seems like it's it still makes sense in the mix. Because Z is yeah. the last letter of the alphabet. Yeah. And so you just, it'd be the end. Wow. Yeah. This thing has a rich history of not getting <laughs> right? made. Yeah. Uh, for the Green Arrow Spotlight, remember that we need to talk about uh, uh, the lockup one. Okay. What's it called? Supermax. Supermax. Yeah, yeah. we got to talk about Supermax. Yeah, okay. Uh, Theo Faber locks into the mystery of a famous painter who stops speaking after shooting her husband. Dear Edward by Anne Napolutino. A 12-year-old boy tries to start over after becoming the sole survivor of a plane crash in which he lost his immediate family. He later grows up to be Jeff Bridges. Mm. Oh, wow. And stars in the movie Fearless Iron Man. in which he is the sole survivor of a plane. Okay. I've never seen it. It's by Peter Ware. Oh, sounds interesting. I want to see it, but it's never streaming anywhere. Shall we watch it together? Fearless? Yeah. Oh. You do you like so? Peter Ware? I don't know. Oh. How do you like, like the Truman Show? I like Peter Weller. The Truman Show, I'm underwhelmed by. Yeah, I don't think we'd have a good time watching a Peter oh. Ware film. You love Truman Did Show? I like it a lot, yeah. Okay, Did yeah. you like Gallipoli? Never saw it. Oh. I don't think we're going to Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fine. <laughs> Did you ever see The uh, the Way Back? Not The Way Way Back. Mm. The Way Back. No. I Ed saw Harris. The, I saw The Way Way Back. They're, they're escaping uh, Germany by walking to... Uh, wow. India? Fine, trying to find The Way Back. They go The Way Back. I get it. Okay. What's next? Uh, what else did he do? Uh, all right. Number four. Such a fun age by Kylie Reed. Tumult ensures when Alex... Oh, no, wait. Yeah. Tumult ensures when Alex Chamberlain's babysitter is mistakenly accused of kidnapping her charge. Her charge. Her charge. Charge. Number three. Lost by James Patterson James O'Born. The new head of the FBI task force takes on a crime syndicate run by a pair of Russian nationals. Number two. Where the Crawdads Sing. Number two. Oh, what took it down? Uh, by Delia Owens in a quiet town in North Carolina coast in if 1969. You a young David woman Baldacci. who survived on her own. Don't tell me it's David Baldacci. Number one, David Baldacci by David Baldacci. Darn it. No. Number one, American Dirt by Jenny Cummings. Oh, yes. This is a very controversial title, so oh, I'm not surprised to hear yeah, that. Yeah, the movie and everything didn't happen, isn't happening now. A bookseller flees Mexico for the United States with her son while pursued by the head of a drug cartel. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of calls for Oprah to like declassify this as her book club book because but and I don't know I haven't read it but but the but the argument is that it sort of is trivializing this really crucial thing um it's such a topic of conversation right now and it's making it like this big sensationalized version of it where you sort of almost discount it in real life so there's a lot of uh, a lot of discussion going on about this book right now yeah yeah that's so that's number one yeah mm-hmm well, yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, All right. 
I just found out the uh, app we use to record this podcast uh, <laughs> no longer counts this. Oh, it doesn't so count it, it anymore? It looks like the All the Book Show has this, lost the primaries. But this is such a huge episode. No. Why would we test a brand new app on a huge, huge episode with so much writing on it? I thought about posting this on a calculator, but it just didn't work. Didn't work. No. Huh. So. Oh, well. Yeah. That was very... Thank that you. was very savvy of you. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like that. I'm yeah. impressed. Book Riot is president again. I guess so. <laughs> All right, let's move into our segment, but I can't do it without that sweet haunting tune. All the books presents author spotlight. God. There it is. That honors no one. <laughs> well, uh, as we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, the late, great Mary Higgins Clark uh, passed away over the weekend, January 31st, 2020, at the age of 92, uh, born December 24th, 1927. Oh, you hate to have a Christmas birthday. My great-grandma's <laughs> birthday was December 24th, and I always felt bad because mm-hmm. she would get a lot of, like, it's birthday and Christmas, and I imagine that Mary Higgins Clark got her share of that, too, mm. so... Anyway, Mary Higgins Clark has long been hailed Would you the like queen of suspense. A Halloween birthday, though. No, I don't want a birthday associated with any holiday. If your birthday was like on the same day as Halloween, no, you wouldn't want to like have that. a birthday Halloween I party. Like that. It would stink for you if you didn't like Halloween. No, if you're like it's too spooky for me. I'm no, terrified every I, birthday. I don't think I would, but honestly, I mean, when you look at Mary Higgins Clark's life, if anybody could take a bum birthday like Christmas Eve and turn it into something like a good and productive, uh-huh. Mary Higgins Clark could do it because <laughs> a she bum birthday. Yes, because I mean she she just has she has a fascinating life. If you ever go and look, she has a she has a a, a memoir called um kitchen privileges and her life is just it's kind of surreal mm-hmm. a lot of loss and a lot of loss in her childhood uh, her husband passed away very young and she you know she had to raise five kids on her own and um you know had to go out and try and trying to to get her writing going and all that so some really fascinating early stories about her life um this this was my favorite this this is in the memoir but uh she's she was trying to get her she's trying to get her work going she submitted some short stories that hadn't gone anywhere um and so as she was trying to like get some ideas she would listen in on the switchboard she was a switchboard operator at the at the Shelton Hotel and she would listen in on residents conversations and try to get ideas for stories goodness and in her memoir she specifically mentions that she would eavesdrop on Tennessee Williams Oh. Author of Glass Menagerie and, and other yeah. such <laughs> classic plays. Boy. But uh, according to Mary Higgins Clark, he didn't have anything interesting to say. <laughs> Take that, Tennessee Williams. <laughs> so <laughs> anyway, she started doing like quick little radio scripts. Mm-hmm. And that, that was where she got her start writing and then moved on to doing some short stories. And then as things like the Saturday Evening Post started to fold and there weren't, there weren't um, the avenues for short stories, her publisher or her agent or whoever was like, well, why don't you try writing some novels? And so she did, and then it's just gone crazy ever since. She has 51 novels. They're all still in print. And her, her very first novel, let me see what the title of this very first novel is, Where Are the Children is in its 75th printing. 75th printing. Continuous publication. We still don't know. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> you don't know. I think they're over grandmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I, I mean, I've always, I, haven't, I hadn't read a ton of Mary Higgins Clark until, I probably read the first one about 10 years ago. But before that, this was a name that I'd just always known. Did you have that experience? Like, you just see that name everywhere? Yeah. 
I, I just think, I don't mean this in like a reductive way, but it was like, I've never been to a garage sale that didn't have a box of Mary Higgins Clark books. You know what I mean? Yes. Because like everyone has Mary Higgins has, Clark. Yes. Yeah. Has read Mary Higgins Clark and just mm-hmm. has a couple like laying around their house. I, I guarantee you mm-hmm. <laughs> two out of three people have a Mary Higgins Clark yeah. book in their yeah. house. Oh. Uh, and she's really she's really retained that popularity. Mm-hmm. You know, there's never been like a, a cooling off of Mary Higgins Clark. Um and most of hers are standalone. That's another thing. She doesn't cool off Mary she Higgins doesn't Clark. Have, she doesn't have a lot of series. She she's primarily just writes standalone thrillers. Suspense. Suspense. Mm-hmm. As she is the queen of that. But she does have two series that we could talk a little bit about. Uh, one is um, it's sort of a loose series in, in that it just has recurring characters in it, and that's Elvira Meehan, who's a lottery winner, and her husband Willie, who's a plumber. So they're sort of like thrust into being millionaires, like the Roseanne family. Yeah, like the Connors. Roseanne, yeah, yeah, like the Connors. So Elvira and Willie are are just sort of become amateur sleuths mm-hmm. once they win the lottery right uh so there's that series which again is loose i don't think often they're like the lead of the book mm-hmm. but uh sometimes oh, man. and then the under suspicion series which oh. started with i think i've got you under my skin was the first yeah. and it follows like yeah and they developed that into a series it was written as a standalone developed into a series uh co-written by alifair burke and it follows a producer named laurie moran who does a television show called under suspicion and what she does is she the, the the plot within within the stories mm-hmm. is this television show finds like sensational crimes and like recreates them and tries to figure out what actually mm. happened and so in doing that she often solves the mysteries meta so those are the two those are the two main uh-huh. uh, stories so you think you're so cool i've read a mary higgins clark story good for you yeah i've read the lucky day lucky day yeah okay well i i'm not familiar with it's that. a short story okay there's a movie based on it you want to know the main character's name yeah at, at least in the movie i don't know if i saw a last name happen in the book okay but the last name is it's nora roberts really yeah isn't that funny is that just a coincidence i mean maybe. it's not meant to be nora roberts right i don't maybe not that's crazy yeah. do you think she was like i'll show nora roberts <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think so that's so that's in um that's in the anastasia syndrome the anastasia syndrome and other stories and other stories yes is that where you read it yeah okay. uh okay so <laughs> all right tell me Re- uh, regale me it's, with it's your... a short story okay um and what happens is well, let me ask you this are you a short story fan uh sometimes okay it depends on the topic at okay. hand well um, but anyway, uh, this woman, her Nora Roberts, yeah, okay. her husband's having a bad time working and everything. Okay, and uh, he seems pretty miserable, and she's trying not to be an actress and everything. Okay, uh, but every day she passes a guy she knows, mm-hmm. um, whose name escapes me right now. We'll call him Billy. Can we call him JD Rob? No, <laughs> okay. I think it is Billy. Anyway, okay, Billy. she always sees Billy. She had invited him up for dinner one time. Uh, he's like a. Oh wait, but she has a husband, so it's right. Not a, no, it's but, not an, ooh, but but now it's one of those situations where because she invited him up once, he thinks he can stop by f- for dinner all the time uh, and like bothers them. So the husband Billy. doesn't like him, and uh, but she she's she's fine about it in every way. Anyway, Billy says you know what? in the movie it's Nora Barkin. Hmm. And Bill Regan is her coworker. All right, I saw something that said Nora Roberts, well, so maybe funny. IMDb got it all mixed that's up. That's funny. Anyway, um, Billy or Willie, yeah. whatever uh-huh. his name is, he's uh-huh. like, I feel I'm doing the lottery today. Okay, I feel lucky. It's going to be a lucky day. And then he calls her later and says, I knew it was my lucky day. I'm going to stop by for dinner and tell you guys all about it. She's okay. like, he probably won a hundred bucks on his lottery ticket. Good yeah. for him. 
But then later, and the husband comes <laughs> home, and he's all like, oh, I don't know what to do with life anymore. I'm miserable. And she's like, oh, he seems really upset. Uh, Billy never shows. Okay. And she gets concerned, calls the cops and everything, and they the cops find a body, and it's Billy. Ooh. But there's no scratch ticket, no uh, lottery ticket. But And uh, the husband's just showing like let no ask, reaction. Let me ask you a question for our listeners. Uh-huh. Are you going to spoil this Heck short yeah, story? I'm going to spoil okay, it. So spo- before you no. get there... Give us a spoiler alert. That way, if you don't want to have Lucky right. Day spoiled for you. All right. This okay. is the spoiler alert now. Okay. If you don't want the Insert 25 short alert. story uh, Lucky Day spoiled for you. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, so we found Bill's corpse. No, no lottery ticket. ticket. Right. Okay. And uh, so uh, Nora is like, you know, trying to figure out what happened. She's like, where's the ticket? She must have been robbed. Who did this? And yeah. she's starting to think like, wait a second. Why? Why has my husband been acting so weird mm-hmm. and miserable and so detached from him? And was like trying to keep her from seeing the body and everything. Anyway, she goes into uh, goes into the, her the bedroom and through <gasps> his stuff and finds oh, the winning oh, lottery, like oh, millions. Really? And she just reacts and everything and like. Uh, so she just reacts and she's waiting for the husband to come home. And the husband comes home and is like. Uh, she's like, why'd you do this? He's like, I didn't do this. She's like, yes, you did. He's like, no, I, I, I entered in a lottery ticket because I used our birthday and our anniversary and everything. She's like, ah, and the cops call. I was like, hey, guess what? It turns out your hunt was right. He did have a lottery ticket. He had sewed it into his hat. He had won a thousand dollars. And the husband comes out of the room screaming because in her reaction, she had burnt the lottery ticket to ash. Oh my gosh. The end. You know what? The for husband th- didn't kill him. For a minute there, I was disappointed uh-huh. that it was going to all resolve, but that's very like almost mm-hmm. Twilight Zone yeah. in that twist. Yeah. Uh, Billy had died of a heart attack. Wow. Yep. Wow. Yeah. What what a twist on that. You know yeah. what? I think a little <laughs> bit of I think a little bit of that Queen of Suspense mojo rubbed yeah. off on you because you were the king of suspense telling that yeah, story. Like, <laughs> I it, was. It, it was definitely one of those like well. They're divorced now. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you don't come back from that. No, you don't. Every time, every time. She's like, oh, I don't know if we can afford that. He's like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I mean, guy got a PlayStation. <laughs> I just, you know what? When I'm mm-hmm. looking here, I see your confusion because the movie synopsis says mm-hmm. Nora Barkin, but the cast list says Nora Roberts. Says Nora Roberts. Yeah, so that's why you're very conf- confusing. Yeah, who knows? Um, it is available to rent on Apple or Vudu. So if you want to watch it, go ahead. Was the short story good? Did you like it? It was good. Okay. I just told it in a suspenseful way. You yeah. did. No, you really go. did. Okay. Yeah. Um, for a while when I was reading, I'm like, oh, it's the husband. I know it's the husband. And yeah. it was just, I was kind of annoyed. I'm like, oh boy, is it going to be the husband? Right. And then when it was, it I was wasn't. like, oh. But then it wasn't. I was like, you got Mary Higgins I Clark. I got Mary Higgins Clark. Okay. Um, let, uh, let's see. Uh, so I, like I mentioned early on that I, about 10 years ago, I read one of her Christmas books. And it's one that's uh, co-written with Carol Higgins Clark, uh, who writes the Rig and Riley mystery. Daughter? So, sister? Daughter. Friend? Daughter. Friend of a friend? Daughter. <laughs> and also Mary Jane Clark is Mary Higgins Clark's former daughter-in-law. And she writes books as well, like the key mm-hmm. news books. So a lot of a lot of Clarks in the in the writing business here. Um, Carol Higgins Clark's character is Reagan Riley. And she sort of teams up with the, the Meehans, the lottery winners. There's a couple of Christmas But books. not the ones from the Lucky Day. Not they're the one, not lottery winners. Not, right. They're yeah. big-time losers all yeah. around. So I had read two of these books. I read Dashing Through the Snow, which was fine, mm-hmm. and Santa Cruz, which I royally hated. Mm. So stay with me. Stay with me. <laughs> uh-huh. But that kind of turned me off from reading Mary Higgins Clark because I didn't really like those Christmas books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I finally just picked up like one of her standalone books, mm-hmm. and I really liked it. So mm-hmm. since then, I've read a couple. And I also read a Car- Carol Higgins Clark, and I think... 
think maybe I know why the Christmas books weren't so good. Snap. We'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, so let's see. I think, honestly, my favorite Mary Higgins Clark that I've read is the one that I read most recently. Uh, and that is her penultimate book, I've Got My Eyes on You. Yeah. That came out in 2019. Yeah, I remember that. And Do you really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I remember when it came out. Okay. And I work at a library. I don't know. I don't you want know, a Mary Higgins just, Clark book somehow. I just really liked it. I listened mm-hmm. to this one on audiobook. Yeah. And it's just, to me, it sort of encapsulizes... Is that, the, is that a word? It is. Yeah, encapsulizing. What is so appealing about Mary Higgins Clark because it, it moves quickly... You know, it's not like a gory or anything. Mm-hmm. It's, but it's still a really tight, like well structured mystery, mm. and it does keep that like suspense all the way up. So this one is about uh, they a, a couple comes home and finds their like twenty something daughter fully dressed in the bottom of a pool, and all sorts of things around it and alive. It, dead oh <laughs> and it takes some turns that i did not see mm-hmm. like it was in, it was one of those situations where i was like i've got this i know mm-hmm. what this is and then something happened and i was like what right. and i realized in that moment yeah. i'd been mary higgins clark yeah. because i'll tell you what i feel like i came home and my wife had burnt my lottery ticket after reading that you i just <laughs> felt the pain so <laughs> much i was like no it is very upsetting <laughs> no so yes I, i've got my eyes on you uh, i really enjoyed so that that's mm-hmm. my favorite of the ones she's read we read some of the. Do you think that's yeah. a switchboard thing? The lottery ticket one. Like, sw- guess oh. what, James? It could be. It could be. <laughs> she burnt my lottery ticket. Cause that's because she was she was writing short stories very early in her mm. career. So I think Lucky Day is one of the early ones. Yeah. I, I left her. I left her. I'm at this hotel now. Hap- maybe that happened to Tennessee yeah. Williams. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um. But anyway, we read one of the uh, under suspicion books for the book club, mm. and it was we all really liked it. It was mm. uh, I've got you under my skin. Is what it was called, um, and they're all sort of like they have a little bit of a, a theme to them. Do you know I've never looked up pictures of scabies? Why would you even bring that up? I've just never done it because you keep saying under my skin. Oh, I'm sorry. I had a friend who had scabies, Don't. and he described it to me, but I never like looked, and I've never looked up pictures. I just, yeah. it just, I've, just, yeah, that's gross. Um, of the Under Suspicion series, my favorite is All Dressed in White. It's just a good twist. And again, this is where they go back and recreate crimes and figure it out. So All Dressed in White, which was co-written by Elphar Burke, is really good. Um, and I also enjoyed As Time Goes By, which is does have Elvira and Willie in it. Mm. So um, I wish, uh, I mean, I wish my brother was here because my brother Stephen, who's been on the podcast many a time, mm-hmm. um, he went through a hardcore Mary Higgins Clark. Oh, really? Where he was just like pounding Mary Higgins Clark books, so he would be able to uh, really, really fill this out for us. But uh, uh, let's let's look a little bit at some of her accomplishments in here. So many, so many different awards. Uh, let let me mention a couple here. Okay. Uh, so this is just a few. She run, won the Horatio Alger Award. She won the Passionists Ethics and Literature Award. Uh, the Albert Einstein College of Medicine of Yeshiva University Spirit of Achievement Award. National Arts Club Gold Medal in Education. Uh, she was inducted into the Irish American Hall of Fame. Mm. And she was awarded the Grand Master Award from the Edgar Awards. Uh, she's also been awarded Grand 18 yeah. honorary doctorates, including one from uh, where she went to college, Fordham. She's uh, and the Edgar Award, she has a special connection to as well, because for many years now, they've been giving out the Simon & Schuster Mary Higgins Clark Award, which mm. we cover every time we do the Edgar yeah. Awards. Um, and it's it's interesting. Let me tell you a little bit about the award. Mm. The winner will be selected by a special uh, Mystery Writers Association committee for the book most closely written in the Mary Higgins Clark tradition, according to the guide set forth by Mary Higgins Clark. Mm. So this really, this kind of sets up 
Mary Higgins Clark books mm-hmm. pretty well. So uh, this this is the award criteria, but it also is sort of a benchmark for what you can expect. Right. So the protagonist is a nice young woman whose life is suddenly invaded. Mm. She's self-made and independent with primarily good family relationships. Mm-hmm. She has an interesting job. <laughs> She's not looking for trouble. She's doing exactly what she should be doing, and something cuts across her bow. She solves her problem by her own courage and intelligence. Mm. The story has no on-scene violence. The story has no strong four-letter words or explicit sex scenes. Mm. And that is the Mary Higgins Clark oh, criteria. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And so Jessica Fletcher. I was, I, <laughs> yes, I was thinking exactly that. Because Murder, She Wrote, often people are like, oh, Miss Marple. But I really think Murder, She Wrote is more cut in the cloth of Mary mm. Higgins Clark because yeah. that is Murder, She Wrote, like <laughs> yeah. to a T. Yeah. Not even uh, extreme car chases, right? Yeah, they even no. cut out car chases? There's no car chases, yeah. yeah. Angela Lansbury was like, I don't want my character to drive a car, so I don't have so I don't ever have to do a car mm. chase. You, you don't want her like telling her driver. Yeah. <laughs> Step on it. <laughs> anyway, I think that this is really smart mm-hmm. because Mary Higgins Clark books fill this niche that I don't think mm-hmm. many others do. Like if you're a fan of Mary Higgins Clark, I'm not really sure where to tell you to go. And luckily she's got, you know, fifty plus yeah. books to read. But it is it's not a cozy mystery. That's the thing. It's like you have cozy mysteries where it's right. like, I own a muffin shop and someone got killed by a giant muffin, you know? <laughs> That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm in love with a barista next door. Cozy right. mystery, you know? <laughs> right. And then and then you have like girl with a dragon tattoo. Like oh, right. That's deep, a jump. Deep, yeah. Deep, shark, sure. you know, and, okay. and you know, everything in between. Your choice is muffin shop girl in love with the barista. <laughs> Or girl with a dragon tattoo. Yeah or, the, yeah, or Stig Larson. No, but what I'm trying to say is the Mary Higgins Clark books, I, I want to like see those are... characters cross over with each other. Oh, my god! Would you like a muffin? I would like my childhood back. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> what these books do, I think, is is straddle the line of like cozy mystery and more serious like mm. a gritty mystery because because they're they're too well plotted and structured to sort of dismiss as as some might a cozy mystery. I don't. I think cozy mysteries have an, a place. But I think that what they do is like they give you the nice tight mystery where you're where you're genuinely like trying to figure it out and you're going along, they're very gripping and engaging, but you don't have like th- the graphic violence or or things like that. They're very they're unique in that way because they manage to do both. They're they're books about murder that are sort of inherently not violent. You know, and the people, even the people who are committing murders, it's like she she does this good job of of rounding things out really well. So you have this clear picture and and the books can be engaging and exciting without, you know, being graphic and Mm. like adults only kind of books. So um, she found her niche and uh, I mean, she just never lost her touch, which Mm -hmm. I think is really impressive. Mm. Uh, And and the sales have been right there all along. You know, as I said in the beginning, there's never really been a dip. So Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I'm a fan, and I know that we have a lot of fans here in the library, uh, and it's definitely something that um, I think her pass- passing sort of puts a spotlight on, like who's gonna who's gonna pick up that mantle, you know, like who's who's gonna who's gonna take this genre and and really run with it, because I know that she's inspired a lot of authors, and a lot of authors have um, you know really looked up to her and mm-hmm. and seen her as sort of a benchmark of like if only if if someday. Uh, I wanted to share something that one of our past podcast guests, Mary, uh, Wendy Corsi-Staub, had to say about uh, Mary Higgins-Clark. So this is uh, 
This is our friend Wendy Corsi Staub. She says, rest in peace, dear Mary Higgins Clark, one of the most inspiring and kindest women I've ever known. What an astounding feat to have become a published novelist as a widowed young mother built such an amazing body of work for decades and sustained a thriving career into your 90s. My deepest sympathy to your loved ones and it resonates in our mystery writing community. Your colleagues embrace you as an icon who has always been gracious and taken the time not just for readers but for your fellow writers. I'm grateful to have gotten to know you over the past decade to thank you in person for the pleasure your books have given me and for my trio of Mary Higgins Clark Award nominations most meaningful and celebrated milestones for an author whose genre choice was inspired in childhood as an aspiring young writer reading where are the children there will never be another mary higgins clark and you will live on through your books and in our hearts and memories so that that's again from wendy corsi Stav, and i think that's a perfect spot to mm -hmm. end this spotlight stop in and check out uh any of our many mary higgins clark books and movies that we have here in the collection we have a display up right now but we'll always uh we'll help you find them even if you come in after the display is yeah. down yeah we keep displays in our minds for you at all times that's true so. i know you're joking but i do kind of have displays yeah. in my mind yeah. so <laughs> Anyway, uh, let's let's take a look ahead at some library news. Got anything you'd like to share coming up, Eric? One second. Okay. We have a adults-only anime mm -hmm. night uh, here at uh, Mondays at 6 p.m. Mm -hmm. We're watching Mary with... Oh, not Mary. I don't know why. Snow White? Yeah, yeah it's Snow White. Yeah. Uh, we're watching Snow White with the red hair and Psycho Pass. And then uh, we just did our board game night, so that'll be at the end of... This month will be our next board game night. It was pretty fun. Uh, I got to play some Seven Wonders. I oh, like that I like one. that game, yeah. Uh, and it was funny because there were some new people there. So the person explaining the rules of Seven Wonders was like, so we'll just explain it to you. And at the end, I was like, I'm very glad he did that. Uh, we have Teen Night every Wednesday at 5.30. And uh, every other Tuesday, uh, we do a uh, youth art club. So That's fun. Yeah. What do you, what's your next art project? Uh, it's going to be... Uh, like make your own do-it-yourself squishies oh so like i think we're carving yes. out like i'll yeah. tell you what squishies are one of those things that remind me of my age mm -hmm. because i know that they're super popular i know that kids love them mm -hmm. i don't get it I, I i don't get it i guess i get it without totally getting it because i'm like oh it's like beanie babies but the beanie babies were like characters right and had like those little poem things and everything and right. when you get a squishy it's like had look names. i got a lime yeah but if you squeeze it it becomes a shrunken yeah. lime I, but like I it's know. it's not like squishy's characters it's just like whatever yeah like here's an eraser yeah here's a here's gymnast a yeah a gymnast <laughs> well that's a character that's definitely yeah. a character uh, well, the the book club is currently reading "No One Is Coming to Save Us," which is what? a I know, what? which is kind of a modern take on it's not it's not an adaptation of The Great Gatsby, but it's sort of a, a modern riff mm -hmm. on The Great Gatsby. So you can join yeah. us for that. Uh, My right life now has been kind of a modern riff of Great Gatsby. Huh. That's profound. Thank you. Right now, we're we're alternating between a classic and then a modern take on it. So right now, we're in the modern swing of things. Uh, with, I thought uh, you would pick the... Stephanie uh, Powell Watts, No One's Coming to Save Us. Novelization of the Tobey Maguire, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. Well, I do, I do love a novelization. Yeah. A novelization <laughs> of a movie based, based on, on a novel, book, yeah. which has happened before. Yeah. Yeah, usually you just put the cover on, the Moon, movie cover Moonraker, on. Moonraker, for example. Moonraker, really? Yes, yeah. Moonraker. Well, those would be so different, I would imagine. I, yeah, I think it would be. We have The Magicians coming back. Uh, P. 
Peter Mangles and his dad, Bob Mangles, are coming here 1030 on the 22nd to do mm-hmm. their magic show. And you won't believe your eyes. That's true. And I mentioned at the top of the show that uh, Dr. Phil Richards from Colgate University is coming to be talking about revisiting the foundation era and focusing on Phyllis Wheatley, uh, an early African-American, uh-huh. one of the first African-American females to publish a book. Uh, so uh, pretty interesting talk. Phil's uh, a brilliant guy. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, but that's the main stuff. Yeah. And sure is. next week, come hell or high water, we're talking about the Green Arrow. We'll see. All right. We'll see. Uh, thanks for joining us, and we're going to see you next time. Bye. Bye.